so you don't go to sleep. <laughs> it's great to be here. I'm just going to get this out of the way right away. They brought me in because they needed a younger, hipper speaker. <laughs> for the... They needed somebody to represent the young adults over here, which is where we sit. Anyway, uh, it's great to be here. I love this church and um, appreciate the fact that you're willing to have a meeting that has morning services as well as evening and night, weeknight services. Yeah. That's kind of a thing of the past, but not here at Island Church. So we're going to have fun. I, it's already been a really good conference. Appreciate Alan, and we're tag team, teaming today. And we had Pastor Eddie last night. Wow, no. No, really, you don't have to do that. That was his wife. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> Pastor Eddie, he's so nice, isn't he? I mean, he just goes around the room and it's just sickening. You know, I mean, no, no. It's, I say that in jest. It makes the rest of us feel like we're rough around the edges. You know what I mean? I, He's just so pastoral and so good at it. But I love, his, uh, I love his book. I read his book before it was published. He sent me a manuscript, and uh, it was before the editor got a hold of it. And uh, he's right. He don't know a thing about writing. <laughs> but but the, <laughs> the editor really did a job on that book. I, it is an excellent book. So, <laughs> So Eddie brings his book, and he just sucks all the oxygen out of the room with his book. But I, too, have a book. My book is called Good News. Now, you have got to get my book. Who doesn't need more good news? How many of you have had enough bad news for a lifetime? You need good news. And when you get done with my book, you'll realize that the good news is so good, the bad news doesn't matter. So here's what we're going to, I haven't talked to him about this, but we, we are not competing. We're here to bless people and we're working together. And, and so uh, I haven't mentioned this to him. I'm sure he's going to be fine with it. But for anyone that buys my book, Pastor Eddie's going to give you his book for free and he will sign it for you. You know what? He'll sign mine and yours. That's how much we want to bless you people at Island Church. I don't know why the Spirit has gotten me on Eddie today, but anyway. Anyhow, thank you for having me, Pastor Rusty. Isn't your book a coloring book? You know what? Yes, sir. You are right. Okay. He doesn't have the mic. He doesn't have the mic. He had his time. <laughs> he does bring up an interesting point. I, I strive for simplicity. I, I work very hard for simplicity. My book is not going to be over anyone's head. In fact, my book is like a Rosetta Stone type book. His book is deep. It's deep and it's wide. And if you really want to understand his book, you need to read my book. (laughs) 
Anything else over there? <laughs> wow. You know, I, really, some of my best friends are in this room. And uh, it, it, I, I, I wear, yeah. I, I wear, this is what I do to my friends, yeah. But I, I, I've been working a long, a long, long and hard alone, doing a lot of media stuff. And uh, man, it's good to be in a real live service with real people. Thank you for having me, Pastor Rusty. And they've been, you've been having me here for years. You're a, just a partner church with us, and we love you guys. It's always a blessing to be here. And uh, appreciate the, the stand and the, the leadership that, that your pastor and his wife have given to the church and to us and everybody. It's just, it's nice to have good, strong churches, isn't it? And to know, uh, to know where you can go and get help and be blessed. My wife's over there. Uh, she, nobody can see her. She's kind of short. Could you stand up on a chair and wave at everybody? Yeah. She's heard all the short jokes in the world. She's fine with it. Uh, but anyway, she, you have anything to say? Okay. All right. Uh, let's pray, and we'll get into this. Y'all doing good? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the Word of God. Thank you for bringing us together. Speak to us today. Lead us and guide us into the truths that you have for us. Show us things to come and help us to prepare for, for our part in this harvest. And we give you the praise and glory and honor for everything you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can be seated. And... Um, I, I want to just sort of introduce this with, with what, what I've been doing. And, you know, everybody sees things from their own perspective, but um, uh, I have really been creating a lot of material. And one of the la last series, I've done 13 audio series in the last 13 months. And normally I do maybe two a year, but there's just an urgency to get my stuff digitized so I can draw from it and use it. And so the way I do it is I prepare for weeks and weeks and then I go do a, an audio series and then we'll put it on my program or, or and then eventually we want to turn some of them into print. But one of them I did was on the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as I was doing that one, it just took me back to when I was spirit-filled and back in the charismatic movement and how exciting it was and how hungry we were to get a hold of material and to know more about God. And I wanted everything I could get my hands on. And the Lord just dealt with me as I was doing that series because these series are done simply so that it's not over anyone's head, so that anybody could listen to it and, and, and understand it and get introduced to whatever. And I felt like the Lord was telling me that we need to introduce him to a whole new generation of people. That there's going to be another movement like what we had. And there's going to be all these people looking for truth and looking for, they want to, and, and, and they're going to want to know what we say about it. You know, we, we didn't read Martin Luther and John Wesley when, when we were in the charismatic movement. I wanted to read the contemporaries. What does John Osteen have to say? What's Kenneth Hagin have to say? What's Norval Hayes have to say? And so we look to them and in this movement, they're going to be looking to contemporaries. So we need to have an explanation for them. So it's just been uh, thrilling and an act of faith because I'm literally creating series that nobody's buying. <laughs> and then I'll go do another one. I've got eight series right now that haven't even been released. I haven't had time to, to actually release them. And they're just sitting there ready to go. 
But I believe the Lord told me at the beginning of all this, because I prayed about it. I said, Lord, I, I don't need any more series. I can't promote but one or two. And when Eddie's around, I can only do like one. <laughs> and so how, how do I need all this? And the Lord spoke to me and said, the people are coming. The people are coming. And they're going to need to know. So we're doing it for them. We want to prepare for them. And that's exciting. That keeps me going. And, uh, and you know, it, it's exciting because it, it, these things, uh, I don't know how it could happen, but I know that that's the way God works. He can bring people out of the woodwork and, boy, they need what we have. Just the simple stuff. They need it. Amen. Amen. So I want to talk to you about today prosperity or, or Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. And um, I, I don't, I haven't ever spent a lot of time talking about money. I feel like other people have spent too much time talking about money. And I've shied away from it uh, a, a little bit. But um, I believe we're going to have to be prepared to stand on the Word of God for our finances. That's one thing that hasn't, you have to admit, it hasn't really been hit like our uh, health care, uh, the health area has been hit. But I, 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 I think we need to be prepared for anything, don't you? And one of the things about faith, because I spent so many months studying faith to prepare some, some of these messages, uh, these series. But one of the things about faith that, that you have to understand is when things are going good in a certain area, you can start coasting and not really use your faith in that area. And then when you hit a wall, it's like, oh, Lord, I, I, I need more faith. I haven't exercised this muscle in a very long time. And so let's get ahead of this thing. Let's believe God. I love the confessions you make about healing in the body. And uh, you probably have more about prosperity and, and, uh, and supply. But let's exercise that muscle. Uh, it could be that you've been on a salary and you've been well taken care of for many years. But let's prepare for anything. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. You don't have any guarantees as far as earthly things go. Uh, the value of the dollar, the value of your retirement fund, your, your corporation or company that you work for. We don't really know what's going to happen, but we do know this. We belong here at this time in history, and God's going to take care of his people. You know, back when the Y2K thing hit, remember that? And man, there was some scared Christians because the computers were not designed to go past 1999. I don't know who missed that point. It's like, <laughs> so, so they thought by when it goes to, you know, the year 2000, they're all going to revert back to 1900 and it's going to shut down. I had preachers explaining to me, it's going to shut down the food supply and the water treatment plants and you can't live without water, they told me. So they're storing up water. And I said, you know, God brought water out of a rock and he could still do that. And they're like, no, i never seen God do that before. And you're never going to see it if you got running water in three or four rooms of your house. I mean, God's not in the entertainment business. And now I'm going to bring water out of a rock. He doesn't do it when you don't need it. But if you need it, God hadn't forgotten how to do that. He can bring manna from heaven. He said, well, I've never seen that. No, you got Kroger on every corner. 
And you got food banks. You know, we got so many safety nets, it's hard to find a place to believe God. And so we've never had to come up to the edge. And, and so you talk about the Y2K and, and they were so scared that, you know, and, and it, it hit me that, you know, they've never been up to the edge before. These are people that have never really been up to the edge where if God doesn't come through, you're gone. You're a goner. And, and we had financially. And that's one area that you can still go out there and have adventures. Because my wife and I, man, we gave all our money away several times. Where and if, if God didn't move and when Y2K came along, I was ready. I said, I've been here before. <laughs> And I don't care how he does it, but God is going to come through for me and he's going to take care of us through Y2K. Can you imagine the God in heaven going, oh, my gosh, they're all dead. (laughs) The the Y2K thing was really bigger than we thought it was. (laughs) Same goes with meteorites from outer space. And, and, you know, all, all the other doomsday scenarios, well, God's going to take care of us. So we need to come to that point in our thinking, in our finances, that, that I don't care what comes. I'm not dependent on one or another source. God is the source of my life. So Deuteronomy 8.18, we could just start there. And I'll just talk about this for a little while. And then we'll go eat lunch. I found out from Christopher Alam, who's not here. He said he was commenting on the way I looked, and I said, well, I'm 18 pounds overweight. He said, no, that's prosperity in the Middle East. I said, well, I'd like to be a little less prosperous. Because <laughs> here in America, it doesn't work that way. Does it? And so Deuteronomy 8.18, it, it says... Um, and this is after the Lord describes uh, prosperity, abundance in the promised land. So he's talking about prosperity and abundance. You'll, you know, live in houses you didn't build and there's going to be uh, streams and, and brooks and flowing water. It was just a picture of abundance. And then he finally said uh, that you should remember that it's God that's given you the power to get wealth. So many years ago, uh, when, I was, when I graduated high school, I was going to go to Bible school. I was 18. I'd never lived away from home. And now I'm going to go to Bible school. I have to support myself. And I was a little bit concerned. And I began to pray about it. And I said, God, I've never supported myself. My dad's always taking care of me. You know, he's clothed me. He's fed me, given me a place to live. And now I'm looking at, I have to do all this myself. I'm just not sure that I'm prepared to do it. And you know, he spoke to me. And he said, no. Your dad has not supported you for 18 years. I have supported you for 18 years. I just used your dad to do it. And from now on, I'll use something else to do it. But I am going to take care of you. And boy, that really hit me. Of course, I had to learn that lesson a few more times. But it's true for all of us. God is the one that's taking care of it. Don't forget that it's God that's given you the power to get wealth. You're not here today because you just got lucky and you got the last job and you got the last good investment or the last good idea. You're here because God's given you the power to get wealth. And if the channel of your supply is cut off, God can open another channel. And you need to be confident. 
confident of that because channels may change. God likes to change channels sometimes. He enjoys it more than I would like it. But, but it's healthy to realize that it's God that is our provider, that we're not just down here on our own. You know, some people think that prosperity is not, God's not interested in that. He's just interested in spiritual things. And if you want to, you know, you're on your own when it comes to money. But God wants to be involved in our finances and he wants to work with us. But he wants us to be totally confident that he's going to take care of us. Amen. Isn't that good to know? He supplies all of our need according to his riches and glory. And I say this with, you know, with what all's going on. I mean, the more they spend this money, you know the value of the dollar is shrinking. And don't, don't allow current circumstances to talk you out of your destiny. Don't think it's not going to be what it was going to be. I'm not going to be able to do what I was going to do. I'm not going to be able to be what I was supposed to be because of the economy or world conditions or the global situation. Those things are not true. We get one chance to live life and this is it. This isn't a practice run. This is it. And we're here to do what God has called us to do and nobody's going to stop us from doing what God's called us to do. There was nowhere in the Bible that anybody in their life or come to the end and stand before God and say, I would have done your will, but I just couldn't afford it. <laughs> we just ran out of money and we couldn't do it. Elijah didn't say it. Moses didn't. Nobody's ever going to be able to say that I didn't do what God had for me to do because I ran out of money. That's never been the issue and it never will be. Yeah, yeah. We're here to, to take up a certain amount of space. We're here to leave a certain amount of carbon footprint. Amen. And it takes a certain amount of money to get to to uh, su provide for us. And God's going to supply that. You can count on it. You can allow him to be. And I think it needs to be a decision we make at some point where he is Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider, just like he's our savior, just like he's our healer. Do you know you could accept Jesus as your savior and not accept him as your provider? Why do that? Why don't we just include that in the process and say, Lord, you're my provider. Yes. You know, I was a youth leader and for, for a couple of couple years and, and uh, I didn't get paid. I worked odd jobs to, to, to make up the difference. And uh, what I would do on the weekends would go, would go to the nearest bigger town and, and go to the mall and just walk through the mall and feel like an American. And so I'd, I'd just walk through the mall and get a cheeseburger and go home, and that would be my Friday night. So I was off to the mall one, one weekend, and I happened to go through the department store instead of the main entrance. And, uh, you know, I was working for $4 an hour. I didn't make much money, um, but I, I didn't need much. I, I actually gave 20% away, so it wasn't like I was uh, in, living in poverty. I just didn't have a lot of extra. So I was walking through this department store and there was a mannequin with a men's, man's shirt on, just a sports shirt. And I just happened to look at the, have you ever done that? I just looked at the tag and I got depressed. <laughs> it's like, oh God, I've been here in Arkansas. I told you this wasn't going to work. I didn't want to come here. 
And now I've come here and prices have gone through the I can't afford a shirt. This shirt costs more money than I make in a whole day. I can't afford to buy a shirt. I can't believe that, that I'm in this position now. And I, and I wanted to go to college. And no, you sent me to Bible school. And I wanted to go to a bigger city. And you sent me to this little town. And I'm not making And pr- that shirt costs more money than I make in a day. And I got so dis- dis- depressed. I walked. I just got back in the car and drove back home. And while I'm driving back home, the Lord started dealing with me. And he said, he, he, he just started giving me these thoughts, you know. Well, don't you have shirts? I said, well, yeah, I have shirts. But if I needed to buy another one, I couldn't afford it because they cost more money than I make in a day. He said, have you ever had to leave home without a shirt? I said, well, no, I never had to leave home without a shirt. But if I needed a shirt, I couldn't buy one because I don't even have enough money to buy a shirt. He said, why do you think that you have shirts in your closet? You've never had to leave home without a shirt. You've always had shirts, and you're always going to have shirts. So you don't have to worry about shirts. He said, he said, what would you like? Would you like for me to give you all the shirts you're ever going to need for the rest of your life right now? Would you like all the pants you're ever going to need for the rest of your life right now? Would you like all the food you're ever going to eat for the rest of your life? Would you like it all right now? And I said, Lord, well, I would, I would find a place to put it if you want to do that. I, I, I'm fine with that idea. But that's not how it works. That's not how it works. And you know, I've never lacked shirts. <laughs> Never lack pants and never lack food. <laughs> because he's our provider. He's our supply. He's always going to take care of us. You know, how many times does the Lord have to prove himself until we just believe him? Whew, you did it again. I didn't think you were going to do it that time. When do we get to the point where God's going to do it again? God's going to do it again. Yeah, but things are worse than they've ever been. I don't care. He's not any different than he ever was. He's our provider. We didn't ask to be here today. And, uh, and, and that's another thing he told me about, about the shirt. He said, I know that preachers cost money. And I sent you here at this time in history. And I've already budgeted into creation all that you're going to need to survive and thrive for the rest rest of your life. Isn't that nice to know? He's budgeted us into creation and he's a God that's more than enough. And the truth is when the world is over and there's no more earth, it's all burned up. There's going to be water that's never been drank, air that's never been breathed, gold that never been spent. There's going to be all kinds of resources, 12 basketfuls left over when we're done. So, so there's a guy named Elijah. Let's go to 1 Kings 17. First Kings 17, verse 1. Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. So it was God's will to pronounce this drought on Israel. The problem is that the good people had to live through it too. Elijah had to go through it too. You know, we don't commute. It would really be nice 
If you and I could commute from heaven every day and, you know, just spend a day at a time in this madness and then go back home. But here we live right in the middle of it. So we got to go through the same thing the world's going through. We need to let me see if I can remember Pastor Eddie's words. Suck it up and take control of your thoughts. You big baby. Was that was that? About, oh, I don't know. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. We live in this madness, but I'll tell you, I am not going to let this get to me. We only have one chance to live this life, and I'm not going to get depressed or overwhelmed with negative emotions because things aren't going like they used to. We have a right to live our life, to use whatever resources it takes for us to do the will of God and finish our course with joy. So Elijah's gone through this drought, and God had a plan for Elijah. He said, verse 7, the Lord said, get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it shall be that you will drink from the brook. And I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. And the ravens, look at verse 6, the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. This is in the midst of a famine. He's eaten meat and bread is probably steak. Twice a day, he's got it pretty good. And now the drought goes on and the brook starts to dry up and day in and day out, Elijah's watching the brook dry up. And this is for whoever may be watching your brook dry up. Why would God send Elijah to a brook that he knew was going to dry up? I I really don't know. I'm asking. (laughs) I don't know why he would do that. If I was God, I wouldn't have sent him there. It was, it's very traumatic to watch a brook dry up in the middle of a drought, and that's your source of water. And he's thinking, now I can eat because the ravens are still coming, but my water's running out. What am I going to do? Day in, day out, it gets smaller and smaller, and then God speaks and says, go, go to the village, the city of whatever it is, let's see, Zarephath, and, and, and uh, indeed, a widow uh, is going to take care of you. I've commanded a widow there to take care of you. Well, it's really funny to me that God would have inserted this brook experience into this process. Why didn't he just send Elijah to the widow to begin with? Just save us all a lot of time and emotion. Because it is traumatic to watch a brook dry up. And it's not easy to relocate every few months. And yet God did it because God likes to do things like that. He doesn't mind just changing your channel and changing things up a little. And I can tell you, if whatever you're depending on now starts to dry up, God has another plan. You don't have to make the brook work because it's worked in the past. I related it to a preacher because I relate everything that way. And you'd, you'd be tempted to write a letter to your partner's and say, hey, the brook's drying up, but this is the headquarters for our ministry. Send water or money fast. <laughs> and we'll make it through this And because we, we're not going to, this is where, no, you got to obey God. Amen. He may be sending you somewhere else. He may have another source of supply somewhere. He's the source, but another channel. He may want to do it a different way for you. Yeah. So Elijah goes to this village and he had, 
I guess he has an address. I don't know how they did that then. But he's going to this widow's house and he's probably thinking, oh, a widow. She's probably a rich oil widow or something with, with a pool and a guest house. And she's got a storehouse full of food because, I mean, the Lord wouldn't send me somewhere that was, you know. So he knocks on the door and this lady opens the door and he says, you got any food? I'm about to eat my last meal with these two sticks. My son and I are going to die. <laughs> He's like, let me get back to you. <laughs> I'll be right back. I can see you got your day all planned out. I'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, why would God do that? Because he's Jehovah Jireh. God likes to be dramatic, much more dramatic than I would like. You know, when somebody's really good at something, their sport or something, they can do it behind the back, they can do it between the legs, they can do it with their eyes closed. And God's like that. He said, I can support you with, with, with one hand tied behind my back. I can support you when the whole world's going broke. I can support you when you have no idea where you are or what to do. I can support you with, with, with both my hands tied behind my back and my eyes closed. I can support you any way I want to. You can't get too, too comfortable with the way God does it. You got to let God do what he wants to do, but you never doubt. You never doubt. God's going to take care of me. Everybody just say that. God is going to take care of me. Well, who do you think you are? I, you know what? I'm a child of God. I'm a seed of Abraham. You know, poverty was a curse of the law. <laughs> One of the messages I just did was poverty is a curse, as if people didn't know. And some people don't know that. They think it's the way to be humble. Poverty is a curse. Prosperity is a blessing. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of poverty, having been made a curse for us. He wants us to believe in, in, in his supply, no matter what it looks like, no matter whether the wind is blowing and the waves are boisterous or not. We can, we can depend on the fact that God's going to take care of us. You're not here today because you are so smart that you were able to make it. I just made it. No, God, God has helped you get to this point. And he's not going to let you go now. Yeah. Amen. Amen. He's my provider no matter what happens. You know, uh, this is a great place to tell this, but I saw an interview that they did with Jerry Jones about Jimmy Johnson. Do I need to explain who those people are? Oh, really? Jerry Jones was the, is the owner of the Cowboys. So he bought the Cowboys and brought in his, you don't know the Cowboys. <laughs> Humor me, okay? They're up north. It's Oklahoma's team. <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys. So, so Jerry Jones took over, bought the Dallas Cowboys, and he hired Jimmy Johnson to be his coach. And it didn't work out after a few years. And they were interviewing Jerry about it. And he said this. He said, when Jimmy came to me, he was not set for life financially. But he said, while he was with me, in other words, he paid him multi-millions of dollars and he said at some point while he was with me, he was set for life. And he said, you know, when a guy's set for life, he thinks a little different 
than he does before. Can I tell you, you're set for life. You are set for life already. The verdict's not out. God's not having to prove himself every day, every week, every month. He has already determined he's going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about that part of this life down here on earth. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So he's saying, and Jesus, I love Matthew 6 because Jesus was truly, he was truly, truly puzzled. He's like, you humans. Why do you worry about food and clothes? And I'm like, uh, I'll give you several reasons why we, we work. Because you won't eat, you die. And it's uncomfortable to not have clothing. But he's, he's puzzled. Why, why do you worry? Don't you know? Don't you know? Your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things. He was totally heavenly minded. And he says, do you realize how focused heaven is on you? God knows your needs before you know. He knows your emergency uh, bills and, and, and crisis before you even know they exist. And he cares about you. It says the hairs on your head are numbered. Man, he knows more about you than you know about yourself. Unless you're bald. Zero. <laughs> If you're not bald, you don't know how many hairs you got on your head. God knows. You know, you have to wonder about God. What kind of an accounting department does he have where he's counting people's hair on their heads? He's just saying, I know all about you. And you're going to worry about food and clothing? You wouldn't send a, an army into battle and say, now, look, when you get there, you're going to have to grow some food. Buy some bullets. You're going to need bullets and uh, some weapons if you can find them. And if you got any time left, fight this war. We don't do that. We say to our soldiers, we're going to feed you. We're going to clothe you. We're going to arm you. You focus on the mission. Don't you worry about these things. That's taken care of. And, and that's exactly what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6. I'm going to take care of you. And, and, and he's, he, he's truly puzzled that we would think otherwise. Can you just relax in that area? Just go, ah, I'm going to be all right. Because huh? I'm telling you, we're going to face, uh, we're going to face some economic challenges. Do you believe that? I mean, it's, that area hasn't really been rocked yet, but it's a house of cards. You can't just spend money you don't have and expect everything to be fine. So whatever happens, we're ready. We're not, we're not tied to this world's economy. God's going to take care of us. You know, God sh showed me this, and I, I'll tell you my story. It's, it's, um, <laughs> it's the one I know best. But uh, I went to Arkansas as a youth leader, and uh, I will give you some advice. Um, don't ever say never. Um, I, told God, I told people I'll never go to Arkansas, and I went twice. <laughs> so I'll go anywhere. Um, but anyway, I went, and I, I didn't have a job, and, and it was a small town. It was the smallest opportunity that, that there was for me at the time, and I took it, and it didn't get paid. And so I didn't know what I was going to do. It's, it's a town of 1,500. There's not like there's a lot of jobs 
out there, and I didn't know how I was going to survive. And um, I was in my apartment just praying, saying, Lord, what am I supposed to do? I was in shock, actually. Uh, it was just such a, it was such a small place and, um, and small youth group, small church, and, and I'm there for nothing. I don't have any skill. And so this carpenter came to fix something in my apart apartment, and I felt like I should ask him for a job. And so instead I said, do you know where a guy could find some work around here? I'm a youth leader. I just moved to town. And he said, no, I don't know. Try Walmart. <laughs> I said, well, guess that wasn't God. And, uh, and he was about to go out. He finally fixed the problem. He was going out the door, and he turned around. He said, you ever done any painting? I said, no, but I'm honest. He said, well, you can work for me. If you want to paint, you can start Monday. So I got a job. So I'm working for this carpenter, doing things I'd never done before. I was, I was worth every bit of the $4 an hour that they paid me. <laughs> and I was the only person in town that would work for $4 and not steal from you. And uh, so anyway, I worked there for about six months. We went all over. I, was, I got happy. I thought, man, this is working. I'm not, I thought I was going to die up here, but I'm alive. And so we, we worked along, and then five, six months came and gone, and he said, um, he said you know, I'm going to go back to school. He said, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to do this anymore, so you're going to have to look for something else to do. But he said, by the way, uh, my whole garage is full of tools, and I got my truck there. If you need it for anything, you're free to use anything I have. So I left, and I thought, oh, man, you know, I lasted six months, but it's all over now. That was the only job in town, and I don't know, there's probably nothing else here that, that, that I can do. And somebody called and said, could you paint my fence? I said, well, yeah, I happen to have some experience painting. <laughs> and so I went and painted the fence, and somebody else called, could you do this? And I said, well, yeah. And then I started getting tools from my boss's, you know, garage. And, and for six months, I had odd jobs come in, just one after another. I was totally busy for six months. And in fact, I hired him. He was off from school, and I hired him to do a job for me. And I, I paid him $9 an hour. Just trying to help him get the message. But anyway, um, then it got cold. We went into the winter, and that just stopped, just like that. And I knew that's over. I thought, oh, brother, I made it a year, but that's it. So I went back to my apartment, got on my couch, and I'm crying out to God. You pray really sincerely when you're when you're broke. And, and, uh, and so I'm praying and I get a phone call and this guy says, Hey, uh, I, I own this satellite dealership. He was in, he was in our church. He said, we had a, a, one of the hired help didn't show up today. Could you fill in for him? I said, sure. So I started, went there and we dug trenches and did that kind of thing. And three or four days. And he said, well, I don't think that guy's coming back. You want the job? I said, sure. He said, well, I'll pay you $4 an hour. I said, I'm used to that. So <laughs> off we go. So I go all over northwest Arkansas, digging holes and trenches and going through people's homes and getting on the roof. And, and I'd never done that stuff in my life. And, and, and I thought, well, I'm going to live. I'm not going to die. I'm going to live. And you, you, you could guess what happened. About six months later, the, the boss comes to me and says, hey, I'm liquidating the business or I'll sell it to you. He said, if you want to buy it, I'll sell it for this much. And I had an investor that would have bought it for me, given me that business. And I prayed. I said, Lord, this is my ticket out. I can have an income. How many of you <laughs> heard people do that? I'd have so much time to give to the gospel. If you just give me this business, I'll have a constant stream of income. It'll be so good. And the Lord was like, no, no. I said, well, why not? He said, I don't want you to spend your time on, on natural things. 
and make money, you spend your time on spiritual things. You build that, and then when the time's right, I'll have other people bring the finances, and you'll do work together. So anyway, I said, I'm not going to do it. So I'm out of a job. I go back to my couch. I got this figured out now. <laughs> I go back to my couch. I start praying, and I get a phone call, and it's one of uh, people in my youth group, her dad had a carpet store and he said, hey, I lost my help. Could you lay carpet? I said, no, but I'll work for you. And, he, and so I worked for him for a whole week and he said, you know, it's time to pay you. And we didn't even talk about pay. He said, well, uh, we didn't even talk about how much you're going to get paid. I said, I don't care how much you pay me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it. <laughs> he said, all right, I'll give you 360 an hour. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he took me up on it. Wow. He did give me a raise after a month. 365. <laughs> so I'm laying carpet and doing all this, but I'm getting the message. God's going to take care of you. I don't care if, if every job in town is taken. He's going to take care of you. He's going to make sure you get your supply. You may not believe this. Six months later, <laughs> the carpet layer called and said, look, I'm going back into construction. I'm not doing carpet anymore. I'm sorry. You're going to have to get yourself a new job. And I said, oh, <laughs> I, I loved being on my knees all day. And but anyway, so so uh, by that time, my carpenter friend had had gone back. He's not in college anymore. He went back into business and I went back to work for him and I'm painting the house. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you're done with this. I said, but Lord, I just figured out how this works. <laughs> I'm going to do this for six months. He's going to do something else, and I'll find something else. This is fun. I like it. He says, no, you're not doing it anymore. You can't do it. It's like it's, it was right for two years, and now it's just wrong. Have you ever? It's like this is not my way anymore. I said, but, Lord, I just, I've, I'm confused. I, I just now figured it out. I just now got to where I don't care if somebody lets me go. I don't, I'm, I'm happy. He says, put it up. You're not doing it. So... I told my boss, I said, I, I can't do this. And he said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to go home and pray. <laughs> I know how that, I know how to do that. I'm going to go to my couch and I'm going to pray <laughs> and see what happens. So I did. I, qu I quit the job. And he said, well, the job's here for you if you need it. I went to my couch and I started praying. I said, oh, God, what in the world? That, that's, I mean, this is how it works. I got my six-month job opened up and, and now you just, and I prayed and prayed for a couple of days. And the phone rang and it was a pastor in Missouri where I grew up, and he said, hey, we're, we're doing a youth camp. We got about six churches c together, and our speaker can't come. And I know this is late notice, but uh, could, could, you, could you be our camp speaker? I said, well, when is it? They said, next week. That's the problem. I said, I'll be there. And I went, and I met all six of those pastors. They all six asked me to preach for them. And I've literally been traveling ever since. It's been 30 years I've been traveling ever since. And boy, if you want to build your faith and finances, travel for a while. And that's one reason we have an advantage, I think. I think preachers that live by, by faith have an advantage because we do have to trust God. And plumbers don't do what we do. If a plumber did what we did, it would be something like this. They work on your plumbing for three or four days. They get it all fixed and you go, well, how much do I owe you? And they go, oh, just whatever you want to give me. You ever had a plumber like that? 
Just whatever you want to give me. Oh, well, here's 10 bucks. Okay. <laughs> and you go on down the road and do it again. You know, they, I was thinking about this. There was a Panera Bread that opened in California that, that was decided not to charge people, you know, that just let them give whatever they want. I thought, yay! <laughs> now you're going to see what it's really like. They went out of business in three months. Those wimps, they don't know nothing about. You, you, you got to stick it out, man. You got to believe God. But the point is, uh, God will, will teach all of us how to live by faith in our area and whatever he's called us to do. And if that, if that avenue is, is cut off, uh, God will open another one. And he won't do it the way you expect. <laughs> I got time to tell one more story, don't I? I'm going to give you some scriptures here to stand on. But um, my wife and I, she was a widow when we married and she had two kids. And uh, it took me a year to get up enough faith to marry her because I was going from a single preacher to a family of four. And we dated for a year. And one time we went, we, we decided to go on a picnic and we went to Burger King to get the food for the picnic. Now, I'll never forget it. I pull up to Burger King, and I'm used to spending $4 at Burger King, you know. We pull up there and order food for everybody, and they're kids' meals, and it's like $16. And I, I, it ruined the picnic for me. It's like $16. I just spent $16 at Burger King for one meal, and you do three meals a day, and you do it for 365 days, and my mind is just... I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. So anyway, so we got married. And rather than me travel off every week, we bought a motorhome. And, and all four of us moved in for six years. We traveled in a motorhome. And, uh, and so I bought, I bought one. I had one, and we traded it in right away because it was way too small. And we figured out there's not one big enough for four people. But the, the one we had was certainly too small. And so we bought a bigger one, brand new. And they made a great deal, and we borrowed money for it, and I owed more money. It, was, it, it cost as much as a house back then. And, uh, and somehow the seed was dropped in me. We're going to pay this off in two years. We're going to pay it off in two years. It was impossible. They gave me a 15-year loan on it, and, and it's all we could do to make the payments. And, and the Lord began to deal with me. We're going to pay this off in two years. And so we started chipping away at it, and we're several months in, Probably a year in, and uh, and Brother Sam's sitting back there, and I've got to get these facts right. But but he had just sold uh, a TV station and made a huge profit. The Lord had just blessed their socks off, and I think he was giving away two million dollars. Did you give away a million dollars? So he had a million, and I'd heard this through the grapevine that Brother Sam's giving away a million dollars, and he's looking for places to give this money away. And so I didn't say anything. I'm, I, everywhere I go, I'm saying, we're paying this off in two years. And it's down, you know, and I'm watching it go down. And uh, about a year into it, Brother Sam calls me. And you know what he said? He said, Greg, how much do you owe on your motorhome? And I knew exactly. It was $36,000. I'll never forget it. I said, oh, $36,000. I probably gave him change and two. $36,000. He says, okay, just checking. Click. <laughs> oh, praise God. So I was waiting, you know, for that check to come in. I thought, 
I mean, we go way back. He licensed me in 1984. And so, uh, you know, we, we, we go way back together. I was only three. Um, <laughs> licensed me to preach. But, uh, but anyway, I, I kept waiting <laughs> and waiting. <laughs> and I found out he gave that million away. And I never did. I'm still waiting on that check. <laughs> I thought for sure that was God's answer to my need. And I thought he knew that too. But did you know we paid that off in two years without a $36,000 check. And the truth is, that wouldn't have been good for us. That wouldn't have been good for me to have that lump sum come in like that. And I'm not saying he knew that. I think he just forgot about me. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that, that wouldn't have been healthy for me because I saw God do it. And he did it without any big checks, without anybody knowing, without any special pull. He did it. Praise God. And now I'm perfectly capable of accepting a $36,000 check. It won't cripple me at all now. I'm over that. So anyway, how many of you know God's going to take care of us? He had to work me over, but I, I've got it now. He don't have to prove himself to me anymore. You know, the question you need to ask is, is this God's will? Am I doing the will of God? Because if you're doing the will of God, he's going to take care of you. He's very aware of what, where you are and what you're doing and what you need. And he is Jehovah Jireh. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his people. Isn't that great? He takes pleasure in it. Just like you enjoy uh, having your kids blessed. He loves to see us blessed. He doesn't want us to be focused on that, but he loves to see it. And if we can keep it in perspective, we can be increased more and more. And that's what the scripture says, Psalm 115, he'll increase you more and more. Yeah. It's not a spiritual lottery, but, but he'll increase us more and more as we can handle it. And, uh, and th you know, there's two scriptures I want to leave you with. And, and one is 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and we've heard this one already several times. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is able. God is able. And I've used that one in some tough times. There were times when we'd literally given all of our money away. We didn't have any money. And I'd go back in that motorhome and I'd say, God is able. God is able. God is able. God is able to make all grace abound toward us. That we always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have to give to every good work. So he's saying he's going to take care of us and our abundance results in our giving. Because we are abundantly blessed, we can give to every good work. That's the process. He wants us to be blessed so we can be a blessing. He, he doesn't want us to just be consumers and takers. He wants us to experience the joy of giving and giving to others and supporting and having that river of finances flowing out of us. That's his plan. That's his will. If you couple that verse with Luke 6:38, it's like a complete cycle. Luke 6:38 says... Give. Now, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 starts out with abundance. Luke 6, 38 starts out with giving. But it results in abundance so that you can give. So that 
you can have more abundance so that you can continue to give. And it's a cycle and it goes on and on. But Luke 6, 38 says, give and it shall. Everybody say it shall. shall. Now, this is God's desire for his people. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. That amuses me. That just thrills me. Do you see how much time Jesus spent framing that sentence? Who says that? He could have said, give and I'll give you a lot more back. But no, he says, I'm going to give it back to you. Good measure. That's a lot. Press down. Who presses it down? Shaken together. Now, if it's going to run over, you got to refill it. And then you got to press it down some more and shake it. Can you see the Lord? He's thinking, I'm going to get this back to them. They are going to get this back. It's going to come back to them. It's going to come back abundantly. And and, and it's because God is not trying to get something from us, but he's trying to get things to us so that we can continue the cycle. We can't draw back and quit giving in this time. We can't, when things get tough, stop giving and stop that river. We weren't made to do that. We're, We're made to give. And so... And, and God's heart is, is evident in that verse. And I'll give you this one illustration to leave you with. But have you ever bought a box of cereal that's when you get it home, it's not quite full? And there's a disclaimer on the box that says, some settling may occur. Oh, really? So you don't know for sure? Well, we don't know for sure, but it might. So if you get home and it's a half a box and you pay the full price, we try to warn you. My response is, if we can send men to the moon, surely we can sell a full box of cereal. (laughs) Can you not do something to make sure that when I get home, it's full? Of course they could. They could have a shaker, a presser downer, a refiller on that conveyor belt. But they don't because they got a disclaimer that says, hmm, it might happen. We don't know. I mean, we put it all we could in it. But God says, all the settling is going to occur on my end. I'm going to fill it up. I'm going to press it down. I'm going to shake it together. I'm going to refill it. And in fact, if God were to sell you a box of cereal for your giving, it would say uh, contents under extreme pressure. <laughs> Open with care, or you're going to have cereal all over your kitchen because he's a God of abundance and he's trying to get something to you and not something from you. You can count on him in these times in the area of finances. We are set for life, are we not? Would you stand with me? You're set for life. Amen. Say it with me, Lord, you are Jehovah Jireh. You're not only my Savior, you're my provider. I trust you for more than enough in every area of my life. Open new channels of supply to me. I'll never doubt you. For the rest of my life, I know my life is set. I know my supply is on its way. I will never lack. I'll never do without. I'll always be a giver because I serve a God that is more than enough. 
more than enough. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, Pastor. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? You know, here at Island Church, we've done our best to listen to hear what the Lord is speaking to all us in this ministry about money and finances. And you know, the Lord said a couple of things to me. Number one, he says, you're going to need wisdom in the days ahead. And you need wisdom for two things. Number one, how to keep what you have. Because, you know, the way the economy of our nation, uh, the way it, you know, ebbs and flows and moves, you've got to make sure that what you have is secure. So, you know, even with your, even with your, your currency, your cash, pray. Ask God about it. Talk to God about it. investments. You know, there's a lot of, in, in times like this, there's a lot of scams that go on. And I learned this about scams. If it's too good to be true, it is. I mean, you, somebody tell you, give me a dollar, I'll give you 10. That, come on, you don't. But they know how to dress that stuff up, especially when people get extremely needy. And so you have to be careful and watch out for that. I, I've, I've seen it come on, on so many different levels. It's, it's just incredible. And then the second thing, number one, we ask God for, for, for wisdom to protect what we have. I, I've been saying it like this. Nobody loses their house. Nobody gets their cars possessed. Amen. We Nobody gets into bankruptcy, of course, none of that kind of stuff. But secondly, we thrive in the midst. When decrease, we increase. Amen. Now, I've said this literally for all the years I've been in ministry, and I don't know why it so imprinted itself on me. Uh, uh, the church knows that it was this, this Christmas will be two Christmases ago when the Lord spoke to me and said, Jesus is coming back, which was very... I don't know. It, it, we heard all of that when we were kids. We heard the prophecies. We'd be in meetings. I thought he was coming back any moment as a young, as a young, as a young boy. Uh, one of the most profound moments I ever had was when they won back Jerusalem in 1967. I was staying with my grandmother in West Columbia. She was a powerful intercessor and prayer warrior. I remember seeing her. She's ironing clothes at her ironing board. She's got a little black and white TV, and those soldiers are running up that up that street and, and letting down their, their combat gear and going to the wailing wall on their knees and worshiping God. She thought Jesus was coming like any moment. She's running around the trailer, run out the door, shouting, praising God, glorifying. That was in 1967, amen? And I think that, that of that era when a lot of people were prophesying, saying those things, we had prophecies coming from men like Brother Hagan and and uh, David Wilkerson, people writing books, all that. We thought, man, this has got to be it. It wasn't. Look how many years ago that was. Amen. That was a lot. That was a, that was a, a long time ago. But then praying, uh, it'd be two years ago. The Lord spoke to me and said, Jesus is coming back. And I'm like, well, praise God, you know. And he then he said it to me again. No, you don't understand. Jesus is coming back. And whenever God speaks to me, and there's urgency in that in that communication, I know He's trying to really get my attention. And this is the time. This is what we've preached for 37 years against the backdrop of the worst economic disaster on the earth. The church will prosper. You've got to believe that and press into that against the backdrop of some of the greatest health crises and pandemics and epidemics in the, that the earth has ever seen. The church will walk in health. And we have to understand against the backdrop of a lot of this darkness, don't fight the darkness, be the light. Walk in the light. So many people are trying to, 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 to fight the darkness. That's a hopeless cause. There's nothing out there that can be fixed in this world system. Nothing. 
but in the church. We're going to thrive. We're going to be blessed. We're going to increase. Amen. We're going to send these, send these missionaries out. We're going to build these buildings. We're going to do what God's called us to do. And I'm telling you, things are exponentially getting faster. Look how fast things are happening. Just, I mean, just, just as fast as things can happen, they're happening. Thank God. We know who we know. And we are who we are. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, tonight it's 7.30, 6.30 for prayer. Come and join us for prayer. And at 7.30, we'll start service with wonderful uh, praise and worship. And I'm going to be speaking tonight. I figured, you know, I'm going to go ahead and speak. Why not? I've spoken a conference or two, so praise God. But I let me just say this. Uh, I didn't want to. I, don't, I, I, I like these other guys coming. I was thinking and praying, and and uh, we, we learned... Uh, uh, Oh, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago or so that, that uh, Philip, who's the, uh, a minister there with the pastors, Mark and Janet, was going to be here. I thought, well, I'll just get Philip. I said, no, you don't get Philip. I thought, well, and then when we were at, at, at their conference in, uh, in uh, August, Janet preached. And I thought, oh, that was so good. I'll get Janet to preach. He said, no. And then he told me what I'm supposed to preach. And I'm like, no, I ain't preaching that. I'm not going to do that. And then he, he said, well, if you don't do that, then I just won't be there. And I thought, you, you, you know, you got to obey God. And sometimes it's not easy. And, uh, but you know, here's the thing. When you obey God and what he tells you to do, God's got something up his sleeve that he's going to release. And I guarantee you in, tonight, just come back in here and I guarantee you, you'll be blessed. I won't, I, won't, uh, I won't mess with you too bad. Amen. You love the Lord? Lift your hands. Listen, how, how many y'all want to make our faith, our faith confession for our healing? Y'all like doing that? Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are the healer and the health of my body. Thank you, Jesus. You were wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquity. The chastisement of my peace was upon you. By your stripes, I am the healed of God. Thank you, Father. You bless my bread, my water. You take all sickness, all symptoms from the midst of me. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I forget not his benefits. He forgives all iniquity, heals all disease, redeems my life from destruction crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy my youth is renewed like the eagles thank you Jesus you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me you'd be with me always even until the end of the age thank you Jesus for medical grace in the last days thank you Lord you've not given me spirit of fear but of power love a sound mind Thank you, Father. No evil befalls me. No plague comes nigh my dwelling place. Thank you, Lord. You give angels charge over me. You've delivered me from the power of darkness. You've translated me into the kingdom of your dear Son. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ makes me free from the law of sin and death. And the same Spirit, woo, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead it abides it dwells in me it quickens my mortal body 
Therefore, I declare from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, I am the healed of God. In my blood, in my bones, in my marrow, in my glands and organs, I am the healed of God. And I thank you, Father, that with long life, long life, strength and health, you satisfy me and show me your salvation. Now thank God for it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we are the healed of God. 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 In Jesus. Fathers, we depart. Thank you for your blessing, protection, and safety upon us. Give us all sweet fellowship. Lord, as we go to lunch and hang out with each other, let our fellowship be sweet. Lord, we thank you for divine protection. Bring us back tonight expecting for that which you desire to do. We love you so much and thank you that you are awakening our hearts to be that entity upon this earth which shows forth your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says.